Welcome back in everybody to another episode of the Crystal Basketball Podcast. My name is Ethan Fuller. Joining me is Rashad Landers, dynamic duo. Rashad, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, man. I am as well, and we are back at it with some more 2021 high school prospects. This is our fourth episode, I think, breaking down four four players at a time. I think it's our sixth total, but this is our fourth kind of kind of film episode. We have gone through quite a lot of prospects at the top. We're going to hit some more five stars today, and by the end of this, we'll have almost all the five stars covered. I feel like uh, we'll we'll have to count them up and see where we are, but. This is 13 through 16, not based on any rankings or anything, just based on some guys at the top that we haven't gotten to yet. But we'll be breaking down Trevor Keels, Aminu Muhammad, Hunter Salas, and Harrison Ingram, all very unusual prospects, um, very unique in their own rights. And I'm excited to get going on this. So Rashad, is there anyone you want to start with first specifically? Um, I think we can start with Harrison Ingram. <laughs> okay. Yeah, let's start with Harrison Ingram. Um who, as far as these prospects goes, he's probably one of the more unusual high school players that that are in this class. And obviously, we've talked about it. This class is pretty crazy, ranging from guys like Chet Holmgren to Jaden Hardy, all sorts of different player types in this class. And Harrison Ingram is really another one of his own. Um, he is a kind of wing small forward, very strong. I believe he's 210, 215. Um, not exactly an athlete an athletic player really by, by most means, he definitely plays with power, um, but he's not going to explode out of the gym or dunk all over your face a lot. Um, so that makes him kind of, kind of interesting as far as not really being kind of the mixtape guy that, that gets you hype in high school, but very fundamentally sound player. Um, he's improving on the perimeter, can make shots, make a lot of different shots. I wouldn't call him a lock to make a lot of these shots, but he's gotten a lot better in high school. Um, his burst, in my opinion, is a little bit underrated. I think he can kind of explode off the dribble better than most people think. His change of pace is pretty good, too. He's a good ball handler, smart decision maker with the ball. Um, and overall, it's just kind of his high IQ, great team defender, um, really just a winning player. But again, the question with Ingram is how much upside is there for a guy who isn't the most athletic person on the floor, um, isn't an elite shot creator, shot maker, um, isn't going to pass you open as a as a ball handler. So I guess yeah, my question to you, Rashad, is what's the what's the ceiling for a guy like Harrison Ingram? Um, well, let me start off with um, Harrison Ingram. He gets a lot of media attention uh, with him being in the Texas area. Um, Brad, uh, the guy who's over Baldur's Life South, which covers a lot of Texas people, uh, you often see them saying, uh, "How's this guy a five star?" And uh, I think it's because, you know, like you said, you know, he's not a mixtape type guy where it'd be hard to get a mixtape for Harrison Ingram, honestly. Uh, but um, I think his upside is uh, is going to be his IQ, honestly, and the way he talks. Uh, another uh, reference to Baldus Life, they released a video uh, with him mic'd up, and I think it was kind of like a school ball team because they didn't look very good. Uh, but he was kind of talking, telling everywhere where to be, everyone where to be, um, you know, it's going to be things like that because he's like, he's not very explosive. Uh, his shooting tendencies is okay. Uh, but I think Harrison Ingram will like go to be more of a facilitator, uh, kind of like a Peyton Pritchard guy who scores when he wanted to at Oregon, uh, even though they're two different positions, they have like the same body build. Uh, but yeah, Peyton Pritchard, a guy who eventually turned himself into a scorer um, I see Harrison Ingram the same way. I think he develops in college. Uh, I don't think he's one and done, uh, maybe two at the most. But if he does go one and done, I think it's, uh, it'll be showing us that he was not that aggressive in high school, but college, he just wanted to, you know, expand his game and stand out. Yeah, I feel like it's especially if you're going to go one and done as a freshman, it really is because the physical tools stood out along with the production. And Harrison Ingram, I mean – I, I agree that he's a very fundamentally sound player, but he's probably not going to put up 20 and eight and shoot the lights out in his first year of college, even though he's probably going to be one of the best players on the team at Stanford. Um, so maybe that takes him out of the one and done conversation. Who knows? Maybe, maybe, yeah, he shows something that, that we didn't see. And there are plenty of, plenty of players that turned a multi-year career into a very successful high draft slot in the NBA. And by no means am I saying 
and I, you're not saying this either, I believe that Harrison Ingram's not an NBA player. I think he, he brings the, the IQ, the awareness. He's, some, he's someone that scouts are going to love because you can plug him in, whether it's college or the NBA, and he's going to be a net positive on your team. And he's going to make your team better, even if he's not the guy for you. So maybe that takes him out of the one and done running. Um, but yeah, I, I do think it's really interesting that he committed to Stanford. That was about a m- little over a month ago. He committed to Stanford. Um, kind of surprising, honestly, for me, although I know Stanford has had a great run of getting players recently. Um, Zaire Williams, another notable one. But Ingram's interesting to me because he isn't going there probably, I mean, to kind of be the top dog at Stanford. Like he's probably going there one because he's a really smart person and Stanford is a fantastic school and also maybe he just likes the style of the team and so I think that's pretty interesting yeah off the court he's a very humble person and that's what stood out to a lot of uh, scouts Uh, you often see scouts talking about physical ability and you know uh, basketball aspects but a lot of times with Harrison Ingram it was you know uh, his grades and ACT score and stuff like that and another reason why, honestly, Harrison Ingram can keep himself from being one and done. Uh, I see him as one of the guys trying to do maybe two or three years, uh, possibly get a degree because he was very serious on it. And like you said, with Stanford, we're seeing a lot where, uh, you know, Issa Silva, another guy that's in the class of Harrison Ingram, another very smart guy. Uh, but, you know, he had the basketball talent as well. Zaire Williams, many people don't know that he was another very smart guy. So right now, Stanford, they're getting five stars, but they're going after the guys who has the maturity in them. And it's good to see them land in prospects, honestly. Yeah, I think it's really cool. And Ingram will be definitely someone to watch just because, yeah, as you said, he's he's just a very kind of smart, mature person. And it translates to the court, too. Like, if you watch his game, I know, I don't know if you'd agree with this, maybe behind Jabari Smith or maybe even ahead of Jabari Smith he probably plays the most mature game in this class which is very interesting yeah no doubt I think he is probably the most mature player in this class um there's not a lot of talkers in general in this class or the ability to show leadership on the court and Harrison Ingram he is just like uh it's just naturally there it's not forced the coach is not asking him to do it you know it's just his natural personality Mm -hmm. yeah so we'll We'll keep an eye on Harrison Ingram. Um, of course, he's a he's a five star and he's obviously a very talented player. Again, um, someone that might be lacking some of the upside because of his his physical frame and his speed and his athleticism might not have some of the upside that a lot of the guys we talk about have. Um, but definitely like an extremely unique unique prospect in that respect. Um, anything else on Ingram that that you think is important to mention? Um, no, that's pretty much it for me. Yeah. All right. So Ingram is someone there. I believe 24 seven had him as a, I believe it was top 10. Let me, let me check to make sure on that. He was 11. So 24 seven has him 11 in their composite rankings. Um, so interesting to see where that'll line up with some of the other guys we talk about. Um, we'll move on to, this is a guy that we have, I think we've mentioned him in just about every episode of the 2021 class, but we've never actually broken him down um, just because he's tied to so many of these, these other players. And that is Trevor Keels. Um, Keels, a strong, high energy shot making guard from PVI, um, Paul the sixth Catholic. Um, one of the best teams in the country, really a fun, fun team to watch. I remember I was at Hoopal when they beat Sierra Canyon. That was a wild, wild game. And Keels really was kind of the leader of that team in that game. Um, he played fantastically, hustled on both ends, made a lot of big shots, um, and played against guys at Sierra Canyon who are probably long. They're longer, they're more athletic than he is, but he has the physical build and kind of the hustling energy motor that you really like to see in a in a young player. So, wh- what are your thoughts on Keels right off the bat? Yeah, that game was uh, what woke me up on Trevor Keels, actually watching them play against Sierra Canyon. And honestly, unlike a lot of people, I had, uh, you know, Paul Six winning uh, because, you know, Sierra Canyon, they have the names and all of that. But them as a team and that press that they always try to run, it just never works in my opinion. Uh, You know, no shots at the coaching or anything, but when you got that much talent, it's certain teams that you should beat and, you know, 
you know, a lot of people had them favored, but I had uh, Paul Six favored because I know WCAC, they're going to come play. They're talented, but they're also going to be very fundamental. And, you know, uh, Sierra Canyon, uh, they play against ESP Prep uh, coming up this year, which is Imani Bates and, uh, you know, some more yeah. guys, Dylan Hunter, I believe. And, uh, but, you know, that's the matchup everybody's talking about because of the names. But there's a matchup that I wanted to see last year that's going to happen this year, and that's Montverde versus Sunrise Christian. And uh, I think that's a way better matchup right that's there. That's a crazy game. Is that? Do you know where that's being played? Um, I have no idea where it's – I think it's Hoop Hall, actually. Oh, yeah. Man, so I, as long as hoop all happens, that's it's gonna be an <laughs> insane slate. Slate. Yeah, but me. yeah. Tre- Trevor Kills, um, you know, elite shooting. Uh, Paul Biancardi, uh, he fell in love with him after that game. And when Paul Biancardi falls in love with you, uh, just expect your ESPN ranking to just just shoot up. It's, it's exactly what happened to Trevor Kills. He shocked a lot of people. I mean, lights out. Like you said, his build. Uh, it's almost NBA ready. I think if he uh, like lose a little bit less body fat, then you know he'll be perfectly there. But his shooting is going to carry him a long way. Uh, you know his final three schools is what I like is they fit him as well. So he knows his game and he sticks to it. Which a lot of players they try to shy away to get more interest from schools. No, he knows where he wants to be. Uh, he knows his game. He's looking at the coaches and he's looking at a possible role that he can play that comforts him. Yeah, that's such a great point. And his his final three schools, Duke, Villanova, and Virginia, really every single one, as you said, like you could see him fitting in. Duke, obviously, with that loaded class, he comes in as kind of a shot-making combo guard for them. Virginia, defense first. Keels definitely has a solid defensive foundation, and Virginia loves those kind of big-body players at any position. There you go with Trevor Keels. Villanova, kind of pro-style, very fundamentally sound team, always in a winning conversation. And if you talk about PBI – that's really the same same example with Trevor Keels. So I think you're exactly right. Um, and Keels, Keels is interesting to me because he is a great shooter, um, can pull up, shoot off the catch, um, has that down. As you said, very strong, probably could turn a little bit of that more into lean muscle, but great start for him, especially as a kind of a 6'4", 6'5", probably going to be a shooting guard where you're going to be undersized, but that strength is important. Um, and again, like his motor is awesome. And, and it really just attracts people to his game because he plays with such energy. Uh, the things that I want to see more from him, um, not an amazing player around the rim, uh, which is kind of surprising despite his size. And maybe if he can play a little bit more physically, um, he's not exactly a blow by athlete. He's not going to burn someone, beat anyone off the dribble, really. He's kind of more of a perimeter player on offense. Um, and I wouldn't consider him, although he's a guard, I wouldn't, consider him a facilitator although maybe that was because he was playing with two other fantastic guards in their row right in Jeremy Roach and Doug McDaniel so maybe he just didn't get that chance yeah and I think that probably be one of the things that he step up in this year uh you know on ball ability uh I'm honestly interested to see how he handles it uh because I don't think he really handled the ball in AAU as well he's always played with good guards uh, so it'll be interesting to, to see, you know, uh, how he develops his game and become more of an on-ball player. Yeah, for sure. And and as you said, once Roach is gone, especially just seeing Trevor Keels play with Doug McDaniel, who is a awesome guard. I've talked about him a lot off air, how much I love Doug McDaniel. But he also, I mean, he's, he's undersized. Keels is going to have to help him out just on some, some of the defensive matchups. Um, help out with some of the offensive matchups too. And I think this will be a big opportunity for Keels to kind of take the reins as a leading scorer. Um, and to go back to the schools, he's cut it down to three, which is a, as short a list as you're really going to see from most of these, these prospects that have committed. Is there a school that sticks out to you? Um, we've said Duke, I think all this time. Um, does that change for you? Do you think there's another one that has a good case for him? Um, I think Duke, uh, you know, Jeremy Roach is there. Um, it's a system where he can come in and be mainly an offensive player. Um, but he also has a couple of friends at Villanova. That's what I've been hearing a lot. So he has a lot of friends at Nova as well. Um, it's another system where, you know, he fits in as a scorer. Nova really doesn't have any restrictions. But I think the underrated one and, you know, the underestimated one is Virginia. Because, you know, you have the defense-oriented first with Tony Bennett holding opponents under 50. 
But Tony Bennett's offense usually come from his perimeter players. So if you bring in a guy like Trevor Kills, um, who can bring that scoring aspect, but you keep your defense, you know, it'll basically be the ball in his hands. And I think that's why he put Virginia in there from an offensive perspective, because the defense is always going to be there uh, with Tony Bennett's system. But uh, I think one of the big things that play into it, if he doesn't commit early, is if Jabri Abdurrahim goes uh, one and done or not for Virginia, because he was obviously or honestly one of the best scorers in 2020, which a lot of people didn't take credit for. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see him come back. I think you made a great point about just how much Virginia could use a score like Keels. It's pretty rare that they have those kind of all country score types. I mean, Abdur Rahim, you mentioned, but even like Malcolm Brogdon wasn't really that guy. Kyle, Kyle guy, obviously was great, but he wasn't, he wasn't like that guy. Um, <laughs> no pun intended. I didn't even realize that. Um, Kyle guy was, oh my God. <laughs> Kyle guy was, uh, he was one of my, he was my favorite player actually uh, when he was in high school. Uh, really? He, he let me down not going to Indiana. But uh, him at Virginia, I think the only reason why Kyle Guy wasn't the guy was because uh, Todd Jerome was there as well. That's he, true. Both of those guys are in the NBA now. so Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And I think that's underrated that Virginia over the last couple of years, and I think I think in some articles I've written, I've criticized Virginia and saying, like, they're a great college program, but they don't really send out NBA guys. And, and that's kind of changed over the last, like, five or so years. They've really started to – I mean, DeAndre Hunter is obviously the, the one most people think of, but – between Brogdon, Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome, um, Abdur Rahim probably going to the NBA. Like they, they've done a good job and maybe that's a good case for Trevor Keels. Um, again, Duke's still probably the front runner because Duke is Duke and that class would just be insane if they were able to get Trevor Keels. So we'll see what happens there. But it's a this is one of the lists as we've talked about all these lists. I think this one is the most interesting because it's the most I would say the most competitive out of some of the other lists that we've seen. Yeah, the other list was you kind of know what you have and, you know, know what to expect, no potentials. This one, um, I, I remember you saying this a couple, ads, a, a couple episodes ago, this class may be a big hit or miss class. I remember you saying that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is interesting. And um, so that's that's Keel's, um, I guess, final thoughts with him. I'm a, I'm a huge Keel's fan especially if he kind of takes this senior year upon himself and becomes kind of more of that alpha scorer that we see all of a sudden you have a guy who can really do almost, almost all of it. Um, and so I definitely, I definitely like his potential. Any, any last kills thoughts from you? Uh, yeah, basically uh, just elite shooting, uh, great build, uh, you know, his potential lies on his ball handling aspect and how he improves on that. Uh, but pretty much everything else is pretty good to me. Yeah. I feel the same way. Um, and let's go to, these are two prospects who I hadn't watched a whole lot of film on before this, to be honest. Um, the first one I think we should talk about is Aminu Muhammad. Um, he's again, another really unique kind of player because he's six, four, but he is a physical, I mean, all, he's basically a wing. He's not, he's not really kind of a call I wouldn't even consider him really a combo guard he's pretty much he's pretty much a wing or like a scoring two guard at this point despite only being 6-4 um he's got an awesome first step um just great burst like he's a pretty good ball handler and between that his physicality and his kind of explosiveness it's so tough to stop him off the dribble and I think that's that's a great foundation for him good rebounder great around the rim which is which is important because he's not super big, not super long. Um, and so that, that ability to be crafty around the rim is big. Uh, what, what were some of the things you noticed from watching Muhammad? Yeah, right now, um, the only people that know about Amino Muhammad is real basketball people that pay attention to basketball. Um, because you look at it, this is a guy that's in the top 15 for a reason, but you don't hear a lot about. And I think it's because, um, you know, if you go to AAU, he played alongside Zion Harmon and Mark Williams. Of course, they're going to have all the attention. And, uh, you know, he was kind of there as well. And he was like the highest ranked out of all of those guys when you think about it. And then you go to his school ball where he plays on like a local school that's kind of like an academy level. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you don't get a lot of recognition there. But he's a very strong finisher. I noticed that. 
he has a jump shot, but he doesn't tend to use it. He's more about finishing, and he has sneaky athleticism as well. I think he's kind of a, like a dog type of game uh, with the ability to score. I think that's why he's ranked so high because Paul Biancardi knows that he can score whenever he wants to, but it's the mentality set inside of him that separates him from a lot of players in his class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. I personally hadn't heard a whole lot about Muhammad, so it, it's true. Like between the small school and kind of the backseat role he took at AAU, like not a lot of people are going to know about this guy, but I, I think you summed him up really well. He's such a great athlete, such a great kind of mentality, um, solid defender overall, pretty good passer. And I think that's the next step that he has to take. Um, Cause at six, four, you really can't play like a, you, you can't play as like a small forward. That's not, that's not going to be successful. Um, but if he can develop as a secondary ball handler facilitator um, with his strength, with his athleticism, I think that'll open up a lot more. And he's a pretty good passer already, but if you if you can kind of take that next step, I think that that's a game changer for him. And then also just the shot making, he's got to he's got to develop his outside shot more. It doesn't look bad, it doesn't look terrible, but he's just got to consistently one be willing to shoot it and two kind of knock it down more. And that would really be a game changer, especially as a shooting guard. Um, but he's he again is really interesting. I think a I think 24-7 had a player comp of Justice Winslow, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, Muhammad's not as long. Winslow's a lot bigger. I think Winslow's 6'7". Muhammad's only 6'4". But I could see him as like a Winslow light where he plays with power, good passer, not necessarily going to be your go-to go-to kind of lead scorer, but definitely a good, good option there, um, which is interesting. I, I was intrigued by that comparison. Yeah, I think um, he's one of those guys where um, he'll have 30, but you wouldn't even know it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's kind of interesting. I think I like the Justice Winslow comparison, but, you know, two different body sizes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if he go to college, I think that will honestly be the reason why, uh, because people would watch him play and they would be like, uh, this dude's a projected lottery pick. He's not that good, but you look at him, he's probably averaging like 22 but you wouldn't know because it's mainly layups and free throws. But, you know, those that's what win games. And uh, I think if he goes to the NBA, even though he doesn't have the height, he plays kind of a role that, like, Andre Iguodala plays right now where you have a player that can pretty much defend and, you know, with a little bit of ball handling aspect and then, uh, you know, some type of scoring ability. Uh, so I think this is another guy. Uh, essentially, I think he's going to be a role player in the future. Yeah, I think so, too. Someone who – who can get you shots, but isn't going to kind of be your, your leader and someone that you should lean on. Um, but at the same time, like that athleticism and that kind of energy that he plays with, he has a good, good motor is always going to be helpful. Um, so thinking about schools with this guy, he doesn't have a list, I don't think, or a set list. He's gotten a lot of different offers. Um, I saw that rivals actually, I, I want to hear your thoughts on this rivals ranked him as most likely to go to Indiana, which would be interesting. Um, they had Indiana, they had Georgetown, uh, Louisville was up there, Maryland was up there. Um, a lot of those, because he's from the D.C. area, a lot of those D.C.-based schools, um, which is interesting. How is there anything that kind of sticks out to you? I know it's kind of a huge list from him so far. Um, I haven't heard much uh, from my Indiana sources um, about that, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, I'm a little bit excited now. <laughs> uh, I think he does fit in uh, at a program like Indiana, though. Uh, you know, we have a love-hate relationship. A lot of us fans with Archie Miller, and I'm not afraid to say it because he knows it himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've seen him say things like, don't give up on me and stuff like that. But um, I think he fits into, you know, schools in that upper area. I honestly don't see him coming to an SEC school. Unless it's like he gets a Kentucky or something mm. or a Pac-12 school. Um, yeah, I think he fits in in like Big E's, you know, Big Ten, uh, those main two conferences. Uh, what a lot of people forget is if you look at the style of basketball, you know, if you really pay attention to basketball, um, SEC is all around. Pac-12 is more perimeter oriented. Big 12 is just, um, you know, can we just please score as much as we can? just like it is for basketball. And then you have the schools, uh, you know, the Big Ten, 
they have defense, but it's mainly, uh, you know, can I outscore you? And then you go to the big, um, the big East and you're like, this is defense. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. I think he fits in, in a big East or a big 10 school, or uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I think he plays ball in Missouri. So, you know, if he does end up in the SEC, you know, the Mizzou Tigers or somebody wouldn't be a surprise as well. Yeah, that would be an interesting one because Missouri hasn't had a whole lot of big names go through there since uh, the Porter cousins. I think they were cousins. Um, brothers. Yeah. They were brothers. Okay. Porter. Yeah, the Porter brothers obviously were two huge gets for them. Um, but Missouri would be an interesting one. So, yeah, we'll obviously keep an eye on Muhammad because he hasn't really trimmed his list down, which is interesting because he's usually, I feel like a lot of these seniors, one, are making commitments or two, have at least kind of trimmed it down to a top 10 or something. So interesting to kind of see how he approaches this with the high school season starting to come up. Um, so that's Aminu Muhammad. Any last thoughts on him? Uh, yeah, I think it's kind of interesting how Rivals actually got that, um, you know, Indiana prediction because uh, he's like a very quiet guy. He's not a very social media oriented guy. So that's why you don't see a lot of predictions on him or mm-hmm. I don't think we see a cut list yet because he's not very, you know, active, I would say, uh, on social media, which is another reason why a lot of people don't know about him. So, you know, it'll just be interesting to see how his recruiting process goes. I don't think uh, that a lot of people will get a correct prediction or even like a hint out of him. Yeah, that's interesting because as I'm looking at this Rivals article, they had, so they wrote Indiana and they also said, we wouldn't recommend betting the house on Indiana. So they're not, they're not extremely confident. Um, They also have been, they're hyping up Georgetown too, as a number two, but at the same time, uh, Jeff Ehrman of 24 seven has given a crystal ball prediction and has Indiana as that school too. So Again, as you said, he's he's kind of one a name that not a lot of fans are going to know because of the schools and the places he's played at, not the most active on social media. So it really is pretty interesting to kind of see how these predictions form up. Um, either way, I guess my last question for you on Muhammad is, is there a recent Indiana kind of recruit that he compares to? He's not really like Romeo Langford. Um He's a pretty different type of player, even though they both kind of played that two, three. Would you consider Muhammad like anyone that's come to Indiana before? Um, I think he's an Oladipo, um, you know, around the same height. Uh, Oladipo, what a lot of people don't know is uh, in, in college, he was more of a like athletic kind of guy who could shoot an occasional three. And if he was on with his three, then he was pretty much unguardable that night. And that's why we were, you know, so good. We were always number one or number two when he was there. Um, so yeah, I'm getting kind of Oladipo vibes. Um, a guard that's there this year that he kind of reminds me of, uh, Jordan Geronimo, a guy who wasn't very highly recruited. He was a four-star, but he's around the same height as well with the same build and same type of game. So, you know, does he look like an Indiana guy? You know, of course he does. But uh, that Georgetown, there's a lot going on with Georgetown right now. I don't see any recruits going there, honestly. Yeah, there is a lot going on. Um, and we'll have to kind of keep up with them because they're Georgetown's in a in a place. Um, I guess, yeah, that kind of wraps up Aminu Muhammad. Very interesting prospect that I'm going to try and keep an eye on more because I didn't really know too much about him before this episode. Um, so the, that's Aminu Muhammad. We'll get to our last guy right now. Another really kind of strange prospect in this class he does remind me of a lot of guys in the 2020 high school class and that's Hunter Salas um Salas is a extremely kind of long tall point guard um very very lanky but very very long um likes to attack the rim he's a pretty good shot maker off the dribble um his shot forms a little odd but it goes in and he's comfortable with it off the catch off the dribble um he likes to attack the rim, very athletic, but I wouldn't consider him an elite finisher. Sometimes it seems like he's kind of charging in there um, and he doesn't have a lot of size, so he doesn't play with that much physicality. Um, so he gets stripped a lot, does draw a lot of fouls too. But I can, I instantly kind of thought of this guy as a almost like a Terrence Clark light. Um, 
because he's a pretty good ball handler, but he's not going to – He, I don't see him as kind of a facilitator, but he's a good ball handler, can make shots, um, is athletic, but isn't like a lock at all ends of the court, which is similar to where Terrence Clark is right now. Um, he's not – he's also not an impact defender in my opinion. Again, <laughs> I've said this already a bunch of times, but the issue is just he's so, so skinny, um, and so he can't do a whole lot on either end because of that. Um, what are your thoughts on Salas? Um, yeah, he's very uh, crafty. And, you know, even though he's very skinny, you know, I like the long guys for some reason. It's uh-huh. very, it's very, it's very good to watch. Uh, you know, I watched him play against IMG Academy. Uh, I think he goes to Miller Grove or Mill Grove or something like that. Yeah, Miller Grove. Yeah, they played against IMG. And um, he controls the game. I will say that he, he plays at his own pace. Another very mature guy in this class, I got to admit. Another very mature guy. Um, you know, IMG, they try to speed things up, fast breaks, you know, dunks, you know, get the crowd involved. He slowed the whole game down. Uh, you know, it was competitive at first, but, you know, it's IMG, so, of course, they're going to pull away. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he played well. He hit his shots. I think a comparison to him, uh, you know, they say he's 6'3", uh, but I'm hearing a lot of reports that he's 6'5 now. He looks and, a lot taller than 6'3". Yeah, so I'm getting the 6'5 range. And a great comparison to me is one of my favorite guards uh, in this draft class is Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, both guys are 6'5", very skinny builds. But, you know, and they both have odd releases. This is like, it's adding all up, both odd releases. <laughs> uh, the thing about Halliburton is he's so complete, though, man. He's very mature, uh, very, like, Halliburton is pass first even though he was a guy that was almost averaging like 22 in college, I think like 22 and maybe 10 assists, I believe yeah. at one point. So that tells you how, you know, mature Halliburton game is. I think Hunter Salas could turn into a Tyrese Halliburton uh, type player. You know, if he gets the confidence that Halliburton has in his shot and, you know, uh, improves his, you know, play- playmaking and passing. Yeah. I think that's interesting. Um, and Halliburton, I, I, I see the kind of role that Salas could play is something like Halliburton played in Iowa State, where he's not he's not kind of leading your offense, but he is a great passer, good facilitator, can make shots. He's not going to be all over the court attacking the rim, scoring 1,000 points a game. But I don't think the same thing is true with Salas, but both of them are very kind of steady, steady guys. And I agree with you, like, long, long guards are awesome. Um, I initially thought, Obviously, I think especially right now, when you see kind of these guards like Salas, you immediately just go to BJ Boston, who I think is amazing. And and I think he's, not to get too off track, I'd probably consider him top three in the 2020 class. Um, I'm a huge BJ Boston guy, but I think Salas is a little different because BJ Boston is a lot faster and he plays with a lot more pace than Salas does. Salas, as you said, likes to slow it down. Um, and Halliburton's interesting. Maybe the one difference is that Salas is a lot longer than Halliburton is. Halliburton isn't kind of the super long guy that Hunter Salas is. And maybe that's, maybe that's a benefit for Salas, but um, it is, it's interesting that he isn't kind of going to be a dynamic scoring point guard, but it feels like he still is in control a lot, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Halliburton, um, it's another guy that I love, man. You know, I have Scotty Barnes, and then I think right after him is Tyrese Halliburton. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's because a lot of people don't pay attention uh, to USA basketball. Um, when you see a lot of top recruits have one-time gold medalists in their name, it's because they played in the FIBA World Cup. And that's where uh, scouts – there's a lot of guys, you don't notice, uh, like the U19 class or the U19 USA team, Mm-hmm. You have guys like Kay Cunningham, Jalen Green. That actually was a team. You had guys like that. Then you had a couple of college guys in there. Reggie Perry, uh, the reason why his draft stock went up was because of USA Basketball. The reason why Tyrese Halliburton is a projected lottery pick was because of USA Basketball. And, you know, people, if you play USA Basketball, in my opinion, I feel like you have a better advantage of being a lottery pick. Uh, so Hunter Salas, I've seen him at the USA, you know, combines and stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, but if he can actually get on the team, I wouldn't be surprised if he turns into a lottery pick just wow. because of his build. Wow. Yeah, that's that's high praise. Wow. Um, 
So definitely keep an eye on it as we look at the schools. I just pulled up his top 12. Um, do you want me to read them off to you? Is that the easiest way to do it? Yeah. Okay, so we got um, a lot of kind of classic schools in his top 12. You obviously have Kentucky, immediate, going to be a standout. Michigan, Oregon, Gonzaga, UNC, Auburn. Oh, I can slow. Am I going too fast? Oh, I'm perfect. I'm okay, so, so after Auburn, we got UCLA, uh, Louisville, Kansas, Creighton. Creighton's an interesting one. I haven't seen that, them a lot. Alabama and Iowa State rounded out. So that's kind of your top 12. Okay, so, you know, UK, of course. I've been hearing a lot of UK with Hunter Salas for some reason. Mm-hmm. So uh, I say UK is a front runner. Uh, Michigan has missed out on a lot of recruits lately, so I don't think they get him. Oregon, you never know with Oregon, honestly. Yeah. Um, Dana Altman, he recruits, man. So uh, going with UK right now, Oregon is definitely a good one. Um, even though Mark Few gave him an offer from Gonzaga, I don't see him as a Gonzaga player. Uh, you know, Gonzaga has some guards. You know, outside of Jalen Suggs, they're bringing in Dominic Harris and uh, that uh, Julian kid. And uh, you have the guys that's already there, like uh, Yayi and stuff. I don't think uh, he'll particularly go to Gonzaga. Guards mm-hmm. already there. Uh, so I'd mark them off. UNC has missed out on a lot of recruits lately. Uh, you know, uh, Roy Williams was in a slump. I'll mark them off. Auburn is hitting, though. Bruce Pearl is hitting right now. Uh, so I definitely put Auburn up there. UCLA, I have no clue where that came from. Uh, <laughs> there might be some money involved there, but I don't feel like he's a money kid. Um, Louisville, uh, Chris Mack can recruit, but he hasn't landed anything lately. Yeah, Louisville will be surprised. Yeah, so – and then Kansas, I don't see him as a Bill Self player, man. Bill Self is a system coach. Uh, so, you know, you know, with a, a slow guard like Salas, he would kind of fit there. But a lot of people don't want to play for Bill Self, uh, you know, especially being a young recruit. Uh, Creighton, who's making a lot of noise. I think they're coming into the NCAA, like, preseason top 10, I believe. Wow. Uh, yeah, so Doug McDermott's dad over there, He's he keeps Creighton in the, you know, looks. Uh-huh. But this is probably their most talented team we've seen in a while uh, coming up this year. Uh, Bama, Nate Oates is on fire right now. I wouldn't be surprised. Iowa State, Tyrese Halliburton compares. Yeah, I would say, so let's see. I think that all makes a lot of sense. I would say Bama, I would be a lot higher on if they didn't just get J.D. Davison. Um, so I feel like that kind of a, is a conflict of interest there. Uh, Kansas was a good point. I feel like at first I was like, oh yeah, I feel like Kansas always gets a get some good guards, but he really isn't that type of player. Um, UK is obviously going to be the, at the top of the list until proven otherwise. Uh, let, let's see. Auburn is an interesting one because they he'd be a cool pairing with Jabari Smith, I think, as two guys who are a little bit understated, but great players in their own rights. And then Iowa State, I think I'd have to see it to believe it that they can get a guy of Salas' caliber. But as you said, Tyrese Halliburton comparison is interesting. Um, and it'd be pretty cool to see to see him go there. Because I feel like Iowa State in recent memory has fielded a lot of great teams. Um, I was looking up, so Salas is from Nebraska, which is interesting. Uh, maybe he likes the Midwest and an Iowa State team like that is interesting. He's probably been around the Big 12. Um, so can't, maybe that is another pitch for Kansas in that, in that way. But yeah, I guess out of... I guess to kind of overlap with you, I would probably go UK, Auburn, Iowa State, and I guess wild cards Oregon would probably be the four that I would be looking out for the most. Yeah, um, like you were saying with Iowa State, they're always around because uh, it's considered transfer university for basketball. So, you know, they always have a lot of transfers. When it comes to recruiting, though, you don't see a lot of recruiting from them unless mm-hmm. it's like three stars or low four stars. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see. But, you know, that Tyrese Halliburton, somebody probably feeding that into his ear right now. <laughs> I, hope, I hope so, because I, I think that's an interesting comparison. Um, all right. I guess that wraps up Hunter Salas. Um, any any last thoughts on on what he brings to the table? Um, I think you're just going to get a great point guard with, uh, you know, very physical uh, tools, um, a very mature guard as well. 
you know, he's honestly a prospect right now. You know, talent's there, but he's still a prospect, a lot of potential, though. Uh, you know, so you can't be mad at him at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, and then I guess um, to keep going with our usual theme, at the end of at the end of each run, uh, we rank the four. So this is a really interesting one. I'm I'm interested to see if we have very different lists or not. Um, do you want to go first or second with these guys? I'll go second with these guys. Okay. So top four, I think I'm gonna go. I'm a big Trevor Keels guy. I'm gonna put Keels at the top. Um, let's see. This is man. It's so tough to rank. I think. If we're going NBA prospect, this guy's lower. But if we're going just player that I want on my team right now, I'm probably going Harrison Ingram two, Salas three, Aminu Muhammad four. And but I think two through four, for me, is honestly pretty close to interchangeable. I would say Keels is my number one, and then two through four is pretty close. Yeah, and it's ironic because we have the exact same list. Let's go. <laughs> same page. So so what for you um, puts that two through four in the right, in the same order? Um, You know, Ingram, he's obviously, you know, I wouldn't say better, but, you know, if you just look at games and stuff, you know, I'd rather have him uh, than the last two guys. And, you know, the last two guys are very good as well. But, you know, just in this aspect, uh, you know, Muhammad, I mean, just because he's you know, not flashy or, you know, it's it's kind of a hit or miss with him. Uh, Salas, the potential is there. But out of the kills and Ingram, you kind of know what you're going to get, even though at the same time you don't know. So I guess I would say you know what you're going to get more with those two guys than the other two guys. Yeah, that's an, inter- that's an interesting point. Um, and I think I agree with that. Salas is a Salas and Muhammad are two kind of guys who you're still wondering where they fit, even though they have a lot of great tools. So I think I agree with you there. Um, I think that wraps up the portion of our of our kind of breakdown session. Usually after this, we have kind of a commitment roundup. There hasn't been a whole lot of news other than Sky Clark going to Kentucky. I feel like I'm not that surprised, honestly. Um, Sky Clark is awesome in Kentucky is just penciling in number one recruiting for guards. So that happened. Um, I do have one question I want to ask you though, because you brought up Tyrese Halliburton and I think it's really interesting as we get closer to the NBA draft. Um, let's talk about Halliburton for a minute as a guy um, who's a top 10 prospect in this draft. Some people have him going maybe back into the top five. Some people like him in the, late lottery honestly so he he's got a wide range where where do you see Halliburton right now in this draft class um I see him in that five to ten range honestly man um he's probably uh you know you know people are going to say LaMelo ball and stuff like that man and I honestly think he's better than LaMelo uh because wow. you know uh even though LaMelo play overseas and pro ball and stuff like that he averaged good stats uh, we're talking about a guy that played in the NCAA and averaged, uh, you know, almost 20 and 10. This guy was averaging a double-double uh, against in the Big 12 as well. So you're playing in schools like Kansas and the West Virginia defenses and stuff. Um, you kind of know what you're going to get. Uh, very long guard is 6'5". You know, it's it's just there, man. You know, he's probably the best point guard in the draft, in my opinion. Wow. that That is high praise. I mean, you think of a lot of the – a lot of the point guards in this class, um, LaMelo's the guy who's probably consensus number one. A lot of people like Killian Hayes, I know. Um, number one point guard in the draft is high praise. Um, so I guess my my question to you would be, a lot of people, the criticism of Halliburton is that he's just not physically strong enough to be a top guy in the NBA. And he also isn't enough of an attacking kind of player and that that combination of not a lot of strength and not a lot of aggressiveness is going to hurt him. How, how do you feel about that? Is that something that you think is legit or do you think that's overblown? I think they have a valid point, but I don't think it's to the extent of what they're saying it as Uh, just by watching him for so long, uh, you know, that's not his game Uh, and he sticks to his strengths and, you know, 
if you're going to criticize a player for sticking to his strengths, then you might as well criticize a lot of guys in the NBA, uh, preferably the defensive-oriented guys and stuff like that who try to do something on offense. Uh, he's not a, you know, strong uh, taker or he's kind of a perimeter player. And on a defensive aspect, I think his his length and the way he plays, his IQ, he talks a lot. He gets a lot of deflections. Um, I think he doesn't need to be in a physical aspect. I think you switch uh, up top. And, you know, if he ever gets caught in a pick and roll situation, I think he'll be able to deflect a lot of passes because of his length. Yeah, I think that's a good that's a good point. And he like obviously he's such a high IQ player um, that that's been the really the biggest plus for his stock. Um, and so you mentioned as high as you are on him, he's probably going in the five to ten range um, of those teams. Is there a fit you like, whether it's um, you got the Cavs at five, Hawks at six, Pistons are seven, Knicks are eight, Wizards are nine, I think, and then 10 is the Suns. Um, are there any teams that stand out to you as far as a fit there? Uh, I'd probably say the Suns, honestly. Uh, if you put Halliburton in a backcourt with a guy like Devin Booker, yeah, uh, that's an interesting backcourt right there. You have your pass first guard, you have your scorer. And uh, then you have uh, Cam Johnson and Aiden, um, Kale Bridges. Uh, the Suns' young core proved uh, in the bubble that, you know, they're improving. And you saw guys like Cam Payne and stuff. Uh, you know, Todd Jerome is here as well. They have guards, but I think uh, they don't really have a starting point guard. And I think Halliburton can come in and be that starting guard, you know, even though you have to work with him a little bit. But he could honestly be that starting guard for the Suns. Wow. Yeah. I think that's a great fit, honestly, just having, having someone like Devin Booker to take the pressure off of him to be a scorer. And you also have another number of great scoring options, obviously Aiton, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson's coming along better than I thought, honestly. Um, so yeah, I was surprised. I was so surprised by that pick last year and so far, I mean, it's solid. He's been pretty, he's been pretty good. Um, and I think Halliburton would fit nicely there because he doesn't have to do too much as a, as a creator. Uh, another team, is the Hawks that a lot of people have mocked him to is the Atlanta Hawks for two reasons. One that he can come right in and be the backup to Trey young and be kind of a safe backup point guard. And then two, if you want to overlap them, Trey Young's going to be able to score. Halliburton's going to be able to defend and be kind of a shooter from a Trey Young pass. How do you feel about a Hawks fit like that? Um, I think the Hawks, uh, it's a very weird fit, even though I have been seeing a lot of people say uh, that, you know, the Hawks, he should go to the Hawks as well, or the Hawks should draft him. Um, I think the Hawks don't go for someone like him, though, honestly. I think they go for either a big or another wing-oriented player, but I can't really see a Tyrese Halliburton, but, like, that Suns pick, man, it's so good. Uh, (laughs) Because if you look at what the Suns are trying to do, uh, basically play a switch defense. You know, Cam Johnson, 6'8", Mikael Bridges, 6'7". Uh, you know, they're keeping guys in the 6'7", the 6'8 range. And, you know, it would be better because they have small guards besides Todd Jerome or point guards. He's 6'5". And you bring in another guy like Halliburton, who, honestly, I probably don't even think he's done growing. Uh, he's a lot younger than people think. So uh, if, if he hits like 6'6", six, six maybe, uh, I think the league should be put on notice if they already aren't. Wow. Yeah. And th- I think that's an interesting point because I mean, look at this, this draft board, this five to 10 range, there's a very real chance Halliburton gets down there because um, let's say the earliest he goes is four with the bulls. I maybe the bulls take him because they're maybe they don't love their guard situation, but Cavs aren't going to take him. If Cavs aren't going to take him at five um, Hawks, we've mentioned our potential spot at six, but then, Pistons, I feel like you got to swing for someone with more upside at seven. Same thing with the Knicks at eight. Um, Wizards at nine. Maybe they take him if they're kind of sold on, if they're not sold on John Wall coming back. And then I think he's a good fit next to Bradley Beal. But as far as we know, they're they're sticking with John Wall when he comes back healthy. And then all of a sudden you're at the Suns at 10. So I think he doesn't get past the Suns just because you said that fit is so great. And if he does get past the Suns, uh, he can be right there at 11 with San Antonio. That's another great fit. Uh, we know what Pop can do with players. Uh, that's another great player to learn from as well, DeJounte Murray around the same height. Uh, you know, Murray is obviously a much better scorer, 
But, uh, you know, it's still another great player that Halliburton can learn from. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so I guess that I wanted to get your thoughts on Halliburton as we get closer to the draft. And because this is a kind of a relevant point when we're talking about Hunter Salas. Um, otherwise, that that was kind of the last thing I I had on the agenda. Um, any any important news, whether it's high school, college, NBA draft that you kind of want to talk about before we wrap up? Yeah, there is some huge news uh, that I think is going to catch a lot of people off guard. And I think it's legit to um, um, deny Avigi, the uh, overseas guy that's about 6'9", you know, the Knicks, Luka Dunkic. You know, they're saying everything. Mm-hmm. The Warriors, I think the Warriors had a workout or something uh, with him or watched him. And they really liked him. And I've seen a lot of websites change their mock draft to him at number two instead of James Wiseman, which I think is really interesting because we were like, you know, the Warriors have uh, guards and all this. Then, you know, you have Andrew Wiggins there. Uh, and, you know, all the Warriors is missing is a big. Well, now you have a guy that's like Luka Dunkish type build, uh, small forward with ball handling, basically the same comparison. You know, do you see the Warriors actually doing that, even though it seems to be legit? So I, yeah, I was looking at Denny Avdia and – He's he's an interesting player. I, he's different from Luca in that he's not going to be a shot maker like Luca is. Um, he's skinnier, not as well built as Luca is, um, but he is a great like he moves the ball really well. He plays better defense than Luca does, um, so I think that that's helpful too. He's six nine long, um, obviously like played for Maccabi Tel Aviv, which is a great European program. Um, so I like him a lot, and actually, I've always kind of been a little bit concerned about the Wiseman fit with the Warriors um, obviously like you think right away like okay he plugs a need at center and what James Wiseman has a lot of potential and so that's what people think it's like okay that's that's kind of where you go but I really don't think Wiseman is the type of player that fits in their system like he's not he's not that switchable um, he's gonna he's gonna be a great finisher and, and everything but he's not kind of a multi-positional defender he's gonna kind of be stuck in the paint um, and I think that he's got a lot of ways to go on offense. He's not going to move the ball that well. Um, so I actually have always wanted them to, I'm hoping the Warriors find a way to get Okongwu. I think he's a much better fit as a center than James Wiseman is with them. Um, uh, but Avdia is interesting because he's another like ball moving plays defense, never can have too many wings. Although I don't think he'd start this year for the Warriors, but I, th- I would not be surprised if they picked him. However, that does. And I actually, so I was working on my mock draft. I'm doing like my yearly pre-draft mock draft and I just started it today. And if you put, like, if you pencil in Danny Avdia at two, that throws the entire board into chaos because like you have, I'm assuming LaMelo one or Anthony, maybe Anthony Edwards one of Dia two, Hornets, you got to take LaMelo or Edwards at three, whoever the other one is. And then four, all of a sudden you're left with um, James Wiseman. And there are a lot of places where he might not go to. Um, Obi Toppin, apparently a lot of people like him and is probably going to end up as a top five pick. So Obi Toppin, I, I'm guessing that's probably the Cavs who would take Obi Toppin, even though that's a weird choice for them to make. Um, but the Bulls aren't going to take James Wiseman. Cavs might not take James Wiseman. The Hawks probably won't. Maybe they will, but probably aren't going to take James Wiseman. Um, he could Wiseman could fall down to seven with the Pistons, which I think is pretty like if Avdia goes to either Obi Toppin or James Wiseman's going to fall on draft night. And I think that's really interesting. Yeah, it's funny because as you were like breaking that down, I'm looking at NBA draft.net right now, and you were kind of hitting it spot on because they have uh, Edwards at one. Um, uh, how do you say his name again? <laughs> uh, it's Denny Avdia, I think. Yeah, they have him at two, uh, Lamelo at three, Killian Hayes at uh, four to the Bulls. So I think that's something okay. that you were talking about with the Bulls taking the guard. You know, if they're not sure about their guard aspect. Um, Obi Toppin at five, like you said, to Cleveland. Um, they have Okungwu going to Atlanta. Uh, how do you feel about that? That's interesting. I, I love Okongu so much. I think he's a top, I'd probably put him top three in this draft class. Um, I think he's so awesome. Um, 
and I think he'd be a good fit with the Hawks. The only thing is I feel like the Hawks, if they just traded for Clint Capella, they probably are kind of committing to him as their center. Um, so I feel like it would be kind of weird for them to draft a guy like that, especially when John Collins really is kind of a four five. He's not really like just a power forward, but I think it's a good, I think it's a good fit for the, for the Hawks because they just need defense and Okongu's going to bring that and pass the ball well too. So I don't mind that. Yeah. And then they have Devin Vassell at, uh, to Detroit, Ozzie Okoro to New York. Um, and then Wiseman add to the Wizards, which, you know, I'm a Wizards fan. I would have no problem with that at all. Yeah, that would be <laughs> awesome for the Wizards. And would really, like, turn a lot of heads if he fell. If he fell to nine, I feel like Wiseman's been the consensus top three guy this entire time. And so if he fell to, fell to nine, that would be pretty crazy. I think Florida State is underrated now that I think about it. Because you're saying – uh, Devin Vassell, then they have Patrick Williams at number 10, two Florida State guys in the top 10. That tells you what Leonard Hamilton is doing. And honestly, that's why I believe Scotty Barnes will be a top two pick in the, 20, in the 2021 draft. You say top 10? Top two. Maybe. You think top two? Yeah, Scotty, like Scotty Barnes and me, people hate it because, you know, not only is it like, you know, just I love Scotty Morris. It's like, I'll just get to spitting out facts and attributes <laughs> and stuff like that. I, man, you are, and there are a lot of Scotty Barnes lovers out there, and I think you're the biggest one. Um, but yeah, Florida, Florida State is especially like they've always turned out like good NBA draft guys, but now it's all like they're getting a lot of one and done. It's like Vassal's a one and done, Patrick Williams is a one and done. I'm 99% sure. Um, and they're both deserve to be in the lottery like they're both great prospects um and scotty barnes kind of fits that that mold they've done so well with a lot of their kind of wing small ball fours jonathan isaac patrick williams scotty barnes i mean there's more too that i'm forgetting um and they and scotty barnes i don't know if i could go top two but i would not be surprised if he was a lottery a top 10 pick um top two is top two is very tricky just because I think you need I think a lot of those top picks we all know Cade's going one um and then two I think is I feel like you just need someone if you're picking in the top two that's going to be more of a star scorer that's like Jalen Green um Brandon Boston uh maybe I forgot I forgot about all of those guys that's in the G League, that's on the G League team. Yeah, the G League, like, who knows if – I feel like Kaminga's probably going a little lower, but who knows if Kaminga shows out because he's physically ready to take on the G League. Um, but, I mean, Scotty Burns is really good too. Like, he is the most Florida State guy they could have ever asked for. <laughs> so maybe he just maxes out with Florida State and and is a top two. Who knows? I've heard uh, a lot of reports uh, – you know, don't be surprised if you see Scotty Barnes at the one this year. And at you the know, one? yes, I've I've tried to tell people the ball handling is that legit. It doesn't look like it, but it's honestly that legit, man. That's how serious it is. Okay, well, you've made me way more excited than I already was to watch Florida <laughs> State this year. Um, so we will again. College could not come fast enough. Whenever that happens, so Scotty Barnes one to watch. Um, I think that wraps up this episode. I feel like we're about hitting the hour mark. Um, so we timed that pretty well. Any any last thoughts from this one? We're going to get into, as we get closer to the draft, more draft coverage. As we get closer to the college season, more college breakdowns um, for incoming freshmen. Um, but until then, anything else? Um, I think my last thoughts is, I think you guys should be prepared for a draft episode after hearing you know this last portion. Uh, after we talked about the recruits, because this is an interesting draft. It's going to be exciting to watch. It is a crazy draft. We're going to have how we probably will have, we got to do a mock draft on air at some point. Um, that's yeah. got to be an episode. Um, maybe we look at big boards. Maybe we go positional rankings. Um, we'll, we got plans in the works for sure, because it's draft time. And that's honestly, for me, probably the best time of the year. Um, I'm excited. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm a guy that watched the draft one through 60. And then right after it, I'm looking at all the undrafted guys who immediately get signed after the draft. 
Oh, this is very important to me. Oh yeah. All right. Well, um, we will be back with another episode. Um, may or may not be either continuing on 2021 or getting started on the NBA draft. We will, we'll see what happens, but until then, um, Thanks so much for tuning in, listening to us. You can follow us on Twitter at Podcast Crystal. Um, Crystal Basketball Pod is on Instagram. We're also on TikTok, um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, leave a review, obviously, if you like what we do. If you have constructive criticism, we're here to take it. So let us know what you think. Um, otherwise, thanks so much for Rashad Landers. I'm Ethan Fuller. Uh, we'll be back at you soon with another episode, and we'll see you next time.